It's the last show of 2014, and we're celebrating the only way Destiny the show can. Get on in here, Guardians. It's going to be a bumpy ride. You're listening to Destiny the Show. Welcome, Guardians. The end of the year, dude. Can you believe it? We are at DTS number, is this 25? 25, I think, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what's insane? That is almost half a year. We are missing, like... (laughs) It's insane. Can you believe that? Like, doesn't the alpha feel like a lifetime ago? It really does, yeah. The first time I downloaded Destiny for the PlayStation, man, it was, that was a good day. That was, I I was like tweeting you because what was interesting is like, I was so on the fence about Destiny. I was like, in the spring, I was like, I'm not interested in this game. From the footage I had seen, I had turned off. I'm like, this is a crappy Borderlands ripoff or something like that. But then like alpha showed up and I'm like pestering you for all the updates watching your videos like two times three times just to try and like grasp and i remember you're playing hunter back then man you have kept your hunter loyalty it's there's nothing better than golden gunning somebody in the face in the crucible it's just like you can't stop it you know it's you're trying to avoid you're trying to avoid bomb me nova bomb whatever it's Uh -uh. called yeah Uh uh-uh not gonna happen not happening today you even have a warlock and you called it void bomb (laughs) tisk tisk you are a hunter at heart aren't you (laughs) yeah my favorites would probably be hunter then titan then warlock striker titan of course shoulder Mm. charge is just too good shoulder charge is i feel like it it should be a meme if it isn't a meme already like (laughs) absolutely somebody can make a great gif i want to take a quick moment and say welcome to all of the new listeners there are many new guardians in the tower i have you seen all the new christmas players like these low level sixes and sevens it's so awesome you know what I actually noticed in the Crucible? Yeah. Not necessarily just low levels, but you also have to watch for their Grimoire scores as well. So yeah. So if you say like a level six, but he has over 2,000 Grimoire score, you know he's got another character rolling around somewhere yeah. over there. Yeah. So he's going to be... He's going to be good. So I was actually playing a lot of Crucible earlier today, and I noticed that. So... But yeah. Yeah, I had a level 12 on my team, and we won the game. I was really happy about that. It's not Iron Banner, thank goodness, but uh, it is cool to see all the new faces. We don't have a ton of news this week. We're taking this last show of the year to celebrate you, the listeners, for your amazing support throughout the initial six months of Destiny, the show, and it's been pretty cool. I, I have to admit that both me and Diddy are very appreciative. And excited to see where this podcast will go, but more importantly, where Destiny will go in 2015. So let's get into the news. So the first piece I want to bring up is a post on Reddit by Rikyu Domo, I think is the name, and it's welcoming new players to the community. And I'm just going to read his post on the front page of the Destiny subreddit. He says, I'm starting to feel like a grandparent now. You will never know of the stories of days past. New guardians will never know of the legend of the loot cave, how Templar and Atheon became lactose intolerant due to all the cheese, and how a 30 was looked upon with the utmost respect. At the same time, I envy you new guardians. You have so much to look forward to, endless hours of grinding and obtaining all the loot you can find. So go forth, new guardians. Go out 
and create your own legends. Hope to see some of you in the Cosmodrome. These are the words of an old 31 hunter. I just like that paragraph, did he? It was like, it did remind me of a few things. Like, new players don't know that Atheon got pushed off the thing. They don't know what Loot Cave was. They didn't know what the Queen's Wrath, like, event was. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I'm just waiting for that first video. Look at this Easter egg in the in a Skywatch oh, yeah, of the yeah. Loot Cave voice. What over. do you think it means? The the <laughs> dialogue. Even a million souls isn't enough for Raul or whatever he says. You know, it would yeah. be funny actually for Bungie to actually change the voiceover to hint at a ne- a new expansion or something a couple yes. years down the road. You know, that would be hilarious. Some sort of plaque. I'm trying to think of another exploit that was really significant in the game probably the moon mission that we repeated over and over you've woken the hive i still do that for some bounties like the kill a hundred precision damage yeah kill hundred enemies with precision damage you know i just load up the moon mission and i just do that over and over again do you remember the name of that mission i can't it's like on the tip of my tongue the dark beyond that's right. For listeners who are unaware, it's like the first moon mission. There's a checkpoint where you can basically abuse where the checkpoint starts. You kill a ton of hive, die, and reset, and it will just basically put you right back before the hive come out. So you can just farm a ton of hive very easily. Back like before Loot Cave was discovered, that was where Engram farming actually happened, man. Like That was, that was the real deal, Loot Cave, before Loot Cave. Well, we're going to talk about some of our favorite memories from Destiny in the topic. Uh, by the way, Xur's time in the tower has been extended. Diddy, did you hear about this and the reasons why? Yeah, just because of all the extended server downtime we experienced over Christmas, people yeah. were concerned that they weren't going to be able to buy their exotics or upgrade their exotics because Xur was actually offering the upgrade to Yalahorn this weekend. Yeah. And a lot of people were scared they weren't actually going to be able to do that. Yep. But luckily, Bungie realized this and... They're going to go ahead and extend him until, what is it, Monday night? Oh, Uh, until the reset. reset. Yeah, so Tuesday morning for North American people, I think it is. Isn't it Tuesday morning? Yes. I'd have to ask Sassy. He's the one who always does double down bounty day. (laughs) Double down bounty Monday, as we like to say. Oh, I had the most ridiculous thing happen this week. I was playing a strike with Sassy and Azure Dragon. And I got the brand new Suros Regime. From RNG at the end, so I was very happy. That gun is stupid in the Crucible. It is (laughs) stupid in the Crucible how stinking good that gun is, and I'm very happy. Everybody can now hate me because I've got the Suros and my shotgun, the Found Verdict, and it is perfect time. Nobody likes you when you're a sun bro. And And you're a sun bro. I like to throw my Nova bombs here and there, but okay. we're sun bro sometimes, you know? You gotta pull out those gauntlets when you can. The sun singers, they just look too good. Okay, you sent me this article from Reddit. This is Destiny, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly from a former Bungie employee. This was an awesome read. Every listener should go to our website or in the um, description below the YouTube video to check out this link. Can you give me the quick breakdown of this? The TLDR or the little overview of what this article is it's a beware it's a wall of text it's a pretty long and well-written article it's just from the perspective of a former Bungie employee who had been working on destiny but i don't believe he still works at Bungie. that's why he's not anymore uh, former and 
I think he's using a throwaway Reddit account, so he doesn't want to be... He wants to remain anonymous. Yeah. And basically, he's just reflecting on where Destiny got over the last couple of years. He's saying, you know, some of the footage we saw at E3 when Destiny was announced, that was an iteration of Destiny at that point. Yeah. And Destiny's gone through... 10, 20, 30 different variations of what, or iterations of the style of game that we now know as Destiny. So it's a, it went down a really long road before it actually got to what we know as Destiny. Yeah. And he's just justifying some of the decisions that Bungie has made and um, some of the good things, some of the bad things, and not necessarily the ugly things, but what we're going to expect in the future from Destiny, from Bungie. Yeah. And he's saying, this is, I'm going to actually highlight this point. He's saying that we should expect more expansions before Destiny 2, but after the House of Wolves. Because the way DLCs look to us right now, and we're going to talk about this in the topic a little bit, but... Three months after launch, we got the first expansion. Now we're taking that into consideration. We're going to expect the next expansion to be somewhere around March, April, and then yeah. count three months after that. Then you have... we're not, I'm not expecting Destiny 2 in September or November of next year, right? In 2015. No. Nope. No, definitely not. So to keep Destiny relevant, they're going to have to keep adding expansions, you know? Otherwise, people are going to get really bored of the game and... You know, Destiny has to survive until its sequel comes out. So, yep, we should expect expansions before Destiny Two, other than just House of Wolves. Yes, my favorite part of the article is like the ending TLDR, but right before that is the paragraph where he talks about Deej. For listeners who don't know, Deej is the community manager for Bungie. He is basically uh, an awesome person who gives us all the updates works alongside of Bungie to communicate with its fans what we want and vice versa what Bungie wants to tell us. So I'm going to read here and I quote, Deej performs a thankless job. As community manager, he has the pleasure of listening to our feedback regardless of whether or not it is delivered politely. He goes out of his way to remind us that the way we feel is neither good nor bad. It simply is how we feel and how he encourages us to feel however we feel and share it with him. Yes, sometimes he has to deliver news to us that isn't what we want to hear, but at least he is here. Reading this sub, he means the Destiny subreddit, and other less friendly places online, and communicating to us what he is able to. And I really liked that, end quote, basically. Uh, it's, it speaks miles if a company has a good relationship with its community, and that comes through a really active um, community manager. And for the most part, wouldn't you agree, Diddy? Deej is pretty rad. A lot of the things that we've communicated, <laughs> voice chat, has made its way into the game. Now, we have yet to see private matches in Crucible, and, but some of the Engram changes, like, it was only like two weeks in that they did the major Engram change, right? Yeah, it was really quick. Yep. Nothing really gets by him. They re-promote a lot of content from the community. I just like Deej. I like the way they interact with the the player base of Destiny. Maybe I'm going off on too much of a tangent, and people should probably just go read the article, but my two cents. Should Crucible have a map vote option? This is frill. I'm telling you guys, news was really, really dry this week. But yeah, the question is there. 
in the crucible when you play should you have the option to vote on a map before the game actually starts i would say yes please i would like that option no i don't think so at all Let's because if you think about it there's a i forget which playlist i think it's clash it only yeah. has five maps in the rotation so yeah. if we had a map vote option yeah we would be playing the same map firebase delphi yeah we would be playing yeah. firebase delphi over rusted lands and um what is it i don't i forget another map and yeah. um shores of time you know people would vote on one map every single time and it would be it would be annoying to be honest you know yeah. Yeah. i would much prefer a veto system as opposed yeah. to map votes you know okay I'm, I'm in with that i'm in with that I think Halo 3 had it perfect, and I'm seeing this problem in the Master Chief Collection with the map voting, you know? I roll up Halo 2 Anniversary playlist. Shrine, Warlock. Shrine and Warlock every single game, or Lockout every single game. BR's Lockout, BR's Lockout. Some people want to play other maps, you know? We have over 100 maps in the Master Chief Collection, and I've only played 10 of them, you know? And that's where I think the map voting system... It becomes a popularity contest as opposed to, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, you know? No, I agree. Dude, I contest. actually, I, I agree. You, you swayed me like in, in your like just short delivery there. I'm all, I'm, I'm on board. If they gave us three options, it would always be Delphi or it would always be like shores of time. Like you say, and it's too small of a map pool right now to, to give players that option. I loved the veto system. People who don't know, in Halo 3, what you could do is press X to veto the map. So it would load the map. It would give the option to the players and say, hey, we're going to play um, Lockout, and this is what we're going to do. Or Lockdown. No, it was Blackout. That's what it was called in Halo 3. We're going to play Blackout. And if the majority of the players in the lobby click X to veto, the game would then pick another map randomly. It would say, all right, majority of the players don't want to play this one. Picks a random map as the next guy. And if that map sucked, too bad. You couldn't veto more than once. But it was a cool system to be like, yeah, I really don't want to play Team Slayer AR starts on Valhalla again. I would love <laughs> Team BRs on Guardian. That would be pretty rad. Yeah, okay. Slayer on Snowbound. I always vetoed that. Ugh. Dude, everybody plays Snowbound. There, I can't talk about the Master Chief Collection without getting mad, so I'm just not going to. <laughs> but, dude, the giant Mars map in the Crucible, I have not played it for like a month and a half i don't know what happened to it but it never gets played ever i, think I they, don't know why i'm pretty sure they took i think it's called bastion um they took it out of the control playlist and now it's only in combined arms which is the vehicle playlist okay okay and we that haven't seen combined sense. arms in a while so yeah. i think they also took out uh, first light the moon map yeah those were the two maps i like first playlist. light Everybody hated that in the beta. It was such a fun sniping map, dude. Man, and the, the beta, it was bad in the beta. You know, the two, in, <laughs> the the two interceptors was just, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Pre-nerf interceptors. The, the best vehicle you can get in Crucible multiplayer during the beta on the moon map, there were two of them on the map. So each team got them. What was worse is, like, the good players would get both of them for the same team and at that point you lose because the pre-nerf interceptor was unstoppable without a super it was ridiculous how strong that I fired was. faster <laughs> yep doom, doom, doom. it was nasty uh and then our final news piece is the results of 300 tiger strikes the reason i went eh, it's because 
this is sort of take it or leave it. Um, the only reason I posted it here is what this player did. He did 300 strikes in the Tiger playlist and for strikes. And he measured how many times people quit. And that's basically the majority of what this is. And it's interesting because Dust Palace had the most amount of quits. I don't have a clue. I've never played Dust Palace because I'm on the Xbox One. Diddy, you have played the Dust Palace. Do you think there's a reason for this? Or is 300 strikes from a single player way too small of a sample size? I think I can tell you exactly why people quit Dust Palace. And it's because... It's one of the strikes where you have to kill all the enemies. Mm. You cannot skip most of the areas. And then when you get to the final room, you have three bosses with three different elemental shields, and they're quickly regenerative. So if you don't keep damage on a single boss, then they're just going to regenerate their shield. And if it's a void shield and you have a Fatebringer, which deals arc damage, you're just shit out of luck, you know? Yep. (laughs) <laughs> so that's exactly why people quit Dust Palace, because it's long, and you actually have to kill the enemies the proper way. And it's honestly, I've probably said I dislike Dust Palace in the past, but after taking a break from it, you know, grinding my Xbox character, going back to the PlayStation and playing Dust Palace again, yeah. I actually really enjoy it. Um, hmm. Just because I actually have to take the time and actually kill the enemies, you know? Yeah. Whenever I play the Nexus, I beat the servitors in the room and then i run past everything to get to the nexus yep and i only actually kill enemies in two different areas when there's like five or six areas in that strike i just skip past them all because i want to get the strike done as quickly as possible but with dust palace you can't actually do that so that's why it has actually from his 300 um strikes he played it 42 times and that quitters have a 79% quit ratio, and that's yeah. extremely high. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it is funny now that we do strike. I do strikes for, like, two reasons at this, like, juncture. For the Nightfall buff or for Glimmer. That's it. <laughs> like, I guess sometimes I need coins, but not very often. I haven't been buying a ton from Zero lately. Marks, but... dude. Yeah, but then uh, what am I going to use them for? I've got my full... I'm geared. I'm good. All I need now is shards, dude, to get to 32. Oh! Yeah, I don't know. You can get... Excuse me. Supposedly, in the rock playlist, there's a higher um, percentage of you actually receiving a legendary or exotic drop at the very end. Supposedly. Don't quote me on that. That's just what I've been hearing. Around the streets. Around the tower. Streets. Yeah, so that's... That would be a reason. Also, you know, grinding the Vanguard marks to get... um, destination materials for new gear because you haven't yeah you don't, you don't have all the raid gear do you no oh, i only well, have I guess, the chest piece then again yeah. you will need the radiant shards eventually yeah 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 that's basically it um i need pants that's it because <laughs> i'm gonna keep my exotic gauntlets the claws of ahamkara which are pretty rad i actually picked that's those it up for our news you know oh did you do you like the way they look yeah they're awesome <laughs> like a bird you just want to like <laughs> do we know what the dancing pants do no have we seen any i should i don't what those i don't yeah. at least i can't remember what they were called but dancing pants in dark below gear okay let's get to our topic salvaged relic data is now decrypted not of consequence evening guardian earn your honor guardian 
Titan survey data requested by Vanguard. So the topic today is our favorite Destiny moment since launch. It's the last show of 2014. I want to reminisce a little bit. I want to go back in time and think of like those one or two favorite moments that you can recall from our Destiny experience. Diddy, can I throw you under the bus by having you start, or should I go yes, where you think? Yes, absolutely. Okay, go. Receiving the last word from my first vault of glass. That was... Your I first vault of glass. Nine. Wait, give them the full story here, please. Not just the last word. We've talked about this in a previous show, but the very first time I played the vault of glass, I was playing with Sassy. I was playing with you as well yep. and uh, Sassy's crew. So they were just steamrolling through vault of glass. And this was like November, October-ish. You know, yep. it had been out yep. for a while. And going through the raid, um, I got... Um, the raid gauntlets and then the chest piece mm-hmm. uh, off of the first two drops and then right as we killed Atheon, I get three different things. <laughs> I get Chatter White, I get Atheon's epilogue, and I get the last word. And I'm a hand cannon main. I have like I, I counted it earlier today, but out of like fifteen thousand kills. 12,000 of them are from hand cannons, you know. Others are yeah. special weapons and heavy weapons. If you look at my bungee profile for my hunter, I have two assault rifle kills in the story and two scout rifle kills in, I think, the raid for some dumb reason. I don't even remember using it. <laughs> or at Gulls, probably. Yeah, probably. And so, like, all my other kills are with hand cannons. So receiving the last word was just, oh, my gosh, that was the best because... The last word is like the greatest hand cannon you can ever use, especially in PvP. That's what to- that's what makes PvP tolerable to me, in my opinion. Like, I've been playing with Lurker this past week and uh, just playing some Crucibles. He's like, "Man, how do you get twenty kills every time?" And I'm like, "Last word. It's just too good. It'll three shot anybody at medium range." That's awesome, dude. Uh, for people who don't know, Chatter White is the raid shader from Vault of Glass. And uh, Atheon's epilogue is an auto rifle from the Vault of Glass as well. Have we seen a shader, not the Aeris shaders, but a raid shader yet from Crota's End? Or do you think that's coming in the hard mode? I think there is a raid shader. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it exists. Yeah, I think I've seen it before. I just don't remember what it's called. I'm hoping for some hype loot once Crota's End hard mode gets here. That, yeah. <laughs> Especially, well, I guess Necrochasm would be the hypest one right now because we have to defeat Crota on hard mode to get the Crux of Crota, which is the last upgrade for Edelon's ally. Yep. So I guess Necrochasm would be the most hype thing we have to look forward to from Crota hard mode. Yeah, our first raid is one of my favorite memories, actually, that we did. And for me, I got to level 27 uh diddy was on the playstation at that time not xbox one and i was not playing destiny with like hardly anybody at the time i was just sort of doing a lot of solo stuff uh my internet's really slow so it was hard to like do skype and and do that kind of stuff uh like at the same time so so playing with friends was hard is what i'm saying i was doing a lot of solo strikes grinding vanguard marks then i finally figured out that you could do public event farming to get a (laughs) metric ton of vanguard marks and the reason i wanted vanguard marks is when you hit level like say like 22 or 23 and you don't have the ability to 
um, do Nightfall or purchase heroics because you can't, or purchase exotics because you can't get coins by doing the heroic weekly strike. You're really like the only option you have to get to level, let's say, 27 or 28 is by getting Vanguard Marks to purchase Vanguard gear from your Crucible, or excuse me, the Vanguard Quartermaster. You could also buy the Crucible gear, but oh my gosh, dude. You have to have so many Crucible Marks to buy that stuff. Like, it's way easier to just do public event farming. I grinded a bunch, got to level 27, and I kind of got stale with Destiny. This is like October, right? Beginning of October. Then you got the Xbox One, and then we started playing with Sassy and doing the raid, and after, like, that raid night, the first time we did Vault of Glass, Destiny became, like, this entirely new game to me, and I don't think there's been a day that I've missed. I know I've missed a couple over the holidays, but seriously, I'm logging in, like, every day, doing a few tasks. We've done the the raid, like, every week since then, basically. I know I missed this week. Uh, so far, but I still have time before the reset. We'll see if it happens, but I just... The raid, man, was a high point for me. Like, absolute high point in this game. The beta also was a really cool, like, moment for me, because, I don't know, story missions were cool, it was a nice taste, but the Crucible, I dug deep and played a ton of the moon. I just like this game. I, I know it falls short for some, like, in terms of content, and I know they say the game was stripped by Activision, but I'm of a totally different mindset when it comes to console games now. I've seen what happens when they try and shove the box way too full. Master Chief Collection. That's the example I'm using. There's a, a boatload of content in the Master Chief Collection. You could get hundreds of hours with it. But it's so riddled with issues that I wish they would have taken the other route and just gone with a bare-bones approach. Maybe only put Halo 2 Anniversary in there so that it worked. That's the thing that I keep coming back to. Destiny worked since the beta for me, except for Christmas Day, and that was <laughs> Xbox Live was getting attacked, PSN was getting attacked. That's not Destiny or Bungie's fault. The game has worked for me. I'm on a horribly slow connection. I haven't been asked to download huge amounts of data. Like with Master Chief Collection, I'm getting close to 30 gigabytes worth of freaking updates at this point. If you like include the 20 gigabyte day one patch, that is unacceptable in my like mind. I don't want that. I know if you're like a PC player, um, they'd be like, 30 gigabytes, just be grateful you're getting that kind of content. And it's like, okay, I kind of understand, but I appreciate the fact that Destiny is optimized. It works well. I don't know. Am I off base, Diddy? Am I crazy? Am I getting tangent-y? No, I think it's... I think it's a good thing to praise Bungie for their consistency in updating Destiny, you know. Yeah. Every every week we have an update, you know, this is what we're working on, this is what we've fixed, this is what we're updating next week. We know you guys want to we know you guys want bigger vault space. We want it too. We know we're going to get it to you eventually. Something like that. You know, yep. Deej and Bungie just does a really good job of communicating updates as they're rolling out and with uh you know before this generation of consoles we had title updates months after the launch of the game yeah. so yeah. like and it would just be one title update you know yep with this generation of consoles it's not just destiny doing it it's other games as well but destiny is the one that i've experienced the most with constant bi-weekly every two weeks updates to the game to fix things you know and i think that's great i agree 
It's something that we take for granted so much. We don't pay a subscription fee for this game. I, I would not pay a subscription fee for Destiny as it is right now. Maybe down the road, like, if there's a ton more to do and it, like, rivals something like a WoW in terms of the like amount of stuff in the game, yeah. But if all I'm really asked to do is purchase a DLC every three months, I'm on board and I want to support it. I loved the article we talked about earlier, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, because the TLDR was Bungie knows this game is not where they want it to be but it's in a good place it has massive potential and if they continue in this direction two years down the road destiny is going to be something way incredible four or five years down the road this series that they envision being 10 years they have a long-term commitment to it that makes me excited and we've seen like you said weekly updates so before we get to it came from Twitter, we have a new Sassy's super good advice. Sassy is our friend from down under, the Australian with every exotic in the game. He's a beast at Destiny, and he is here to tell you about the exotics, so you know how to spend your coins wisely. Exotic weapons. A lot of controversy and opinions reside on the rarest tier weapons of Destiny. Are they actually as powerful as they should be? What are the best ones? Should I bother buying this weapon at all? Today, Guardians, I'll be going over my top 10 Destiny exotic weapons. These are what I think are the best of the best, the must-have any endgame Guardian would want, the weapons you never leave the tower without having their familiar weight and space in your inventory. But keep in mind that this is my opinion and my opinion alone, and that they are also in no particular order, as it's almost impossible to rate weapons that are designed for specific things. So, without further ado, let's get knee-deep into these bad boys and see what we can find out. First off on the list is probably the most loved and subsequently most hated weapon in the entire Destiny universe, the Suros Regime. Unmatched range, almost no recoil, and increasingly more powerful bullets the closer you are to empty, the additional perk of having the ability to regen health whenever you are dealing damage. This gun is freaking insane, and is almost unmatched when compared to any other auto rifle in Destiny. This gun is a monster, whether you're yelling in delight as you regen your way out of the way of surely impossible situations, or you're attempting to strangle the controller as you read its dreaded name in the top right hand corner as the weapon that just destroyed your hopes and dreams in the Crucible. This gun more than earns its name and its reputation and is a must have to bring in against the darkness, especially when you're not sure what you exactly you are up against. Up next is the Pocket Infinity. This little ball of terror allows you to turn your fusion rifle into a full auto spewing machine. A get out of jail free card in every sense of the words. This little weapon would allow you to disintegrate almost anything in close quarters. This weapon shreds faster than a thrill swarm with arc burn and light switch. With this magazine sized back to where it was, this weapon provides an almost insurmountable wall of pure fusion that would surely spell the demise of whatever troubled you in the first place. If you enjoy laughing maniacally while your enemies disintegrate before your very eyes, this weapon is the gun for you. Although keep in mind, its recoil may get away from you should you really let this weapon go. Thirdly, we're looking at lightning encapsulated in its very own casing, the Thunderlord. While a relatively small magazine doesn't really let this rep weapon get up and go like it should, if you let the thing loose from the get-go, this is truly a welcome to behold, and in my opinion, one of the top three LMGs the Guardians have to offer. 
was relatively easy to control. The Thunderlord is one of the funnest weapons to use and a must-have for those Arc Burn, Nightfall, and Heroic Weekly Strikes. The Thunderlord packs one hell of a punch should you only let the thunder come rolling in. Never running out of ammo is the name of the game with my next exotic, the Icebreaker. I never leave the town without this little beauty, and only four other snipers that deal more damage shot for shot, trust me, I know, I own three of them, the Icebreaker's ability to regenerate its own ammo over time is just too good to pass up. While the weapon itself feels a bit clumpy and the scope is a bit weird considering that it's a max range weapon, if you ever feel like fighting the darkness solo, even just feeling like serving yourself a nice piece of melted cheese while completing the raids, the Icebreaker is a weapon you don't want to go without. Next up is probably the gun I have the most fun with, as for its namesake, it's a pain in the butt to all those receive its effects. With the exotic patch in place, Thorn now contains one and a half times the amount of ammo previously, and it only takes six months to reload the damn thing instead of the previous four years as it was when it first appeared in my lonely hands. In the Crucible, this weapon, with its passive, is a three-shot set-and-forget weapon, and nothing brings more guilty pleasure in Destiny than watching your enemies slowly tick down to death while you watch casually behind a corner, or in my case, trying to continue to rain a terror upon the other team. This gun has gone from 6 shots in its clip to 9 shots, and its relatively low and definitely controllable recoil has gone from being one of the most unusable weapons and thusly worst exotics in the game, to being a thorn in the people's sides it was always meant to be. While Thorn is a troll's delight, another exotic hand cannon will not let up without having one last say in the matter. Literally. My favourite exotic, the last word, is a beauty personified, bringing the Wild West back into the game in a glorious hip vampire action. Its high rate of fire, with the hand cannon's trademark high impact status, means that this weapon deals a lot of damage in a very short amount of time. The ability to dispatch all, if not all, base enemies with one to two shots is awesome, and you don't even have to aim down sights with this weapon to show what it's truly capable of. Hip firing, the last word ha has the ability to two-shot people in the crucible, that is two crits, and it's ease of use and very little recoil, plus the fact that the gun freaking fanfires makes this weapon have the last say in nearly all your encounters, should only you let it speak. Continuing with the obviously primary weapon heavy trend I have going here, I may be biased, I don't know, the Netflix exotic weapon is what we all want, yet few utilise its potential. The Vex Mythoclast is probably the rarest, and therefore most sought after the weapon in the Destiny universe, Necrochasm notwithstanding. Few realise the Mythoclast potential as probably the most powerful close quarters weapon in all of Destiny. No charge up time, a rapid fire, and a very nice scope with very, very controllable reach coil. Coupled this weapon with its high damage output puts this weapon in this rifle's place near the top. But while this weapon has its time in the limelight, while it's, and it still dominates the PvP in the hands of a skilled user, the Vessels had to take a step back as it simply cannot keep up with the damage output the new 331 damage weapons has. Having said that, the Vex Mythoclast still remains the best weapon for clearing out base level enemies and for punishing those guardians who get too close to its nasty mythoblast. 
Rounding off the exotic primaries is what I think is the dark horse of the group. Red Death has always been a decent rifle, but now with its good rate of fire, regardless of the fact that it deals less damage than it previously did, the Red Death's ability to always regenerate health upon kills is crucial. This passive has saved my life many a time, and for those who are wondering, yes, this passive works while under the presence of Crota debuff. The gun itself is a very very decent pulse rifle, and its passive brings it onto an entirely new level. While you may be seeing red, this weapon only brings death to those who are receiving an of this brilliant burst rifle. The penultimate weapon on this list provides a backup plan when none seem available. Plan C's ability to charge and fire extremely quickly make this weapon a brilliant sidearm, the go-to gun for when you run out of ammo or your primary weapon just doesn't seem to cut the job. While this weapon isn't specifically designed to be your weapon primary weapon of choice, I might say, it allows you something as a very reliable, very fast, and a very powerful secondary weapon that would get you with a JRL free card you've always wanted. Keep in mind, I find the sights a bit goofy on this weapon, but here firing this weapon is what it was born to do. The last weapon on this list will probably come as no surprise to a lot of people, but I've intentionally put it at last because I wanted to bring it to the attention of those who aren't aware of this masterpiece. The Yalahorn, and yes, it is pronounced Yalahorn, is hands down no questions needed or wanted. The best rocket launcher in the game is probably the most powerful weapon in the universe if you're going off pure damage per second. No other weapon has the abilities like it, and its homing clusters provide a damage spike that is absolutely and positively unequaled. There is a reason that all soloers, speed raiders, or just endgame guardians in general have or need this weapon in their arsenal. The Yellowhorn's ability to not only dispatch foes efficiently, but to place an absolutely ridiculous amount of damage into a boss in a short time, make this, in my opinion, the most powerful weapon in the Destiny universe and a must-have for all those guardians wanting to take their gear and weapons to the next level. And that's basically it, ladies and gents, my top 10 exotic weapons. Please keep in mind that these opinions are mine and mine alone, and I recommend that if you wish to go into the universe yourself and see what these weapons actually do. As a disclaimer, the only exotic weapons that I have not used to the point where I've had all the weapons upgraded and unlocked, the last three damage upgrades are not included, are Hardlight and Necrochasm and the Fourth Horseman. If you have any questions you'd like to hear either answered by me on the sh here on the show or replied to directly, feel free to ask for Sassy on the Destiny of the Show Twitter, that's at Destiny of the Show, or email destinyofthashow at gmail.com. I thank you for your patience and time today, and I wish you all the very best of luck in your fight against the darkness. Oh, before I go, word to the wise on those who try their luck with the Horned Moon passives in the Crucible. Yes, it is possible to get all three damage bonuses placed onto the one bullet, and yes, a critical hit will one hit them. 221 damage to be precise. Best of luck, and I'll see you in the town. Thank you, Sassy. It's time for... It came from Twitter. It came from Twitter! We have just two tweets this week. The first is from our friend, at LurkerZero, and he tweets us, Excellent Polygon article that touches on the dichotomy of destiny. And it's a Polygon article uh, that sort of mentions what the good, the bad, and the ugly of destiny does. Wouldn't you say, Diddy? Yeah, it's not to be confused with the Reddit post that we've explained earlier, but this Polygon article does a really good job of, you know, just recapping 
Destiny's life so far to, uh, and it's a very opinionated article. Right at the top, it says this is an opinion article, so don't take it as hard fact. You know, it's coming from the perspective of a single player, so you know. Mm-hmm. It was nice though. I'm glad he sent us that. And at Patrick Sultan tagged us in a Friday follow. We always appreciate the support from our listeners. And that's it. Nobody completed the bounty, man. Nobody completed last week's bounty. I'm shocked. Nobody wanted to take a picture of themselves with Husk of the Pit or Edelin's ally inside Crota's End. I guess their raid groups didn't allow them to use the gun. <laughs> yeah, they said no. Guys, this is a serious raid run, and we don't allow any shenanigans up in here. None of it. So with that said, we're going to keep the bounty in place for one more week. If you want to complete it and send us the picture, you can tweet it at Destiny the Show. We'll feature you on our wall of fame. And if nobody does it, we'll get rid of the bounty that nobody wants to do and pick something that wouldn't be good. You know, Diddy, it might be good to crowdsource our bounties and ask our listeners what they <laughs> think would be a fun or challenging bounty. Yeah. Unless they manipulate it and be like, hey guys, you should totally take a picture of your level 31 warlock who has Claws of Ahamkara totally maxed out. That would be really cool. <laughs> We have to make sure nobody specific. manipulated it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something fun. All right, man, it's our last bit of 2014. I'm looking forward to 2015. Thank you, Diddy, for being here with me. Thank you, listeners, for kicking butt. As always, where can people find your content, man? Twitter.com slash whooshness, W-O-O-O-S-H-N-E-S-S. YouTube is the same. And before we go, I want to shoot this question right at you. Yeah. What are your... New Year's resolutions for Destiny. Ooh, that's good. I like it. Like, what what would be your goals in Destiny in 2015? Yeah, what do you hope to achieve in Destiny in 2015? You are a wizard of this, Diddy. I must say. I did come from the moon. Mm. (laughs) Mmm. Mmm. Well said. Uh, Right on. You guys follow the show on Twitter, at Destiny the Show. We always tweet when the show goes live on Tuesdays on iTunes. I have a cool announcement. YouTubers and viewers of the show on YouTube have been pestering me for forever to put video footage instead of just a static image because they say it's boring, and I tell them I don't want to render 30 to 40 minutes of video footage each week because that takes a long time. (laughs) Well, I've caved, and in 2015, we're going to have a total makeover to the show on YouTube. Still same audio, but you're finally going to be getting some video elements to make it a little bit more pleasant and not something that you instantly minimize. Just because I love you all so much, okay? Didn't want to do it, but we're doing it. <laughs> and hopefully streaming will be in the cards down the road. Twitch.tv slash show. Our website is destinytheshow.com. You can go there for all the links from today. You can follow me at bbkdragoon. I think we covered just about all of it. I know we have an email to touch on next week because I just saw that, but it's a little too late to do a Tower Talk. So thank you guys for an awesome 2014. Enjoy your New Year's. Be safe. And Diddy, cheers. <laughs>